Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. From Barangaroo Studios, this is the COB, brought to you by eToro. Invest in ASX shares with $0 commission. Hello and welcome to the COB. It's the day in news and markets. Sorry, the framing is just a little bit off here. Um, it's just one of those situations, I guess. Maybe we'll have to cozy up and maybe you're going to have to cozy in my direction. Maybe like this. Anyway, the COB, your day in business and markets. My name's Kyle Rotto with Danny Akuye. And um, Danny, not much of a lead overnight. So, well, I guess we were kind of waffling along for a lot of the session. Yeah, it looks like we're down. Well, I've got two tenths of a percent on the ASX 200 or 0.14%. Uh, Communication services, um, that was green on screen in terms of we've had uh, quite positive moves in Telstra, REA, car sales, TPG. A little bit of love for the material stocks off the back of those higher iron ore prices. But yes, very lacklustre, very low volumes. Yeah, indeed. And the CBO 200, let's see if we can get a little bit of a check as to what it was doing there. Uh, It was, well, more or less flat for the session. Um, I think maybe even finished slightly lower. We're going to have to probably push on there because it doesn't look like we have the graphic. Uh, But, oh, there we go. Off by 0.24% by the end of the session. Um, but moving on, uh, we'll check in on that again in a little while's time. That's not going to move, but the ASX 200 potentially will, which is down 0.14% today. Uh, three themes, though. Yes, three is, themes. Uh, well, I thought the, the, the biggest one is that, well, maybe the honeymoon period is over. We saw mm. Rob Scott talking about that at... Uh, oh, there you go. Absolutely. Uh, uh, <laughs> talking about that at the West Farmers uh, Strategy Day today, in fact. And, well, I mean, I guess uh, his message was that after... Two or three really fantastic years for the economy, for the consumer. He's seeing signs that, well, things mightn't be so great going forward. Yeah, absolutely. So their business model is really highly exposed to the Australian consumer across many, many broad sectors. Um, he made a point of saying they hadn't pushed through lots of price rises when they could have because they wanted to still provide a value proposition to the consumer and they are seeing people trading down. And I think on the back of universal stores and everything that we're hearing about mm-hmm. retail, my little anecdotal evidence of what was happening in Westfield Bondi Junction. Lots of uh, stores seem to be being shuttered at the moment up there. So maybe the consumer is finally cracking. Yeah, indeed. And uh, well, the honeymoon's over. Stick inflation. Our focus yep. is going to go back to that CPI release, the monthly number that we'll get tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I thought let the, get, let the week begin because <laughs> we had two public holidays, like I said before, in Europe and uh, in uh, Euro- uh, sorry, the United States as well, Memorial, Memorial Day, Day yeah. um, kind of meant that we did have that kind of lackluster direction this morning. So uh, we'll get a little bit more information from the markets tonight, especially as it relates to more or less a reaction to that um, debt ceiling mm. development. Um, but I wanted to talk about some of the corporate news today because, well, we did have yes. West 
farmers and well I mean I didn't see the particulars really but I mean quite naturally Rob Scott was talking about the business's prospects that the shares were higher today. Yes absolutely they were outlining I believe a lot of their spending programs. He also said that they're not going to chase that silk laser bid which I think is very interesting and um, I just think that um, he really said the company is well positioned to ride out this slowdown at the moment. Indeed and uh, well another couple of stories that really caught my eye as well was uh, Santa Mining institutional placement. Yeah. Um, just relevant because it was just a really big um, sell-off today in that that stock. Yep. So yep. Um, the was quite a was, discount. Yeah. At 18, it was Eighteen cents, cents yeah. and well, two hundred million dollars. Pretty pretty chunky amount. Yeah. Yeah. So the stock was pulled back towards that eighteen cent mark. Um, let's uh, as well uh, talk Paladin because it was uh, another. That was, well, I suppose uh, in the news, and it kind of caught a lot of us by surprise early on in the day, um, but it would seem that Namibia is looking to nationalise some of its mining assets. Paladin gets caught in that, and yep. while investors hit the sell button, and uh, well, that's that's over the, the year, 32%, yeah, but I for think the day, it was around well, almost 20%. Correct, and um, they suspended trading in the stock, but yes, it does look like geopolitical risks, particularly in some of, um, I don't know whether we term them emerging economies, are rising, with uh, governments really wanting to get a piece of the action, and that's certainly what spooked uh, investors for Paladin, because Namibia is one of the world's largest, not only Europe, Uranium producers, but diamond producers as well. Yeah, okay. So um, we'll keep an eye on that story as it unfolds because I'm sure uranium Twitter is a light. They can be uh, a pretty eccentric bunch, uh, it has to be said, and they, they tend to like Paladin as well. But um, another company that had a, uh, well, investor day today it was Challenger. It happened to be oh, right. our stock of the day as well. Okay. So we had Scott Phillips from Motley Fool and Luke Winchester from Merryweather Capital giving us their views on Challenger. The market was made for Challenger. It's just never been able to really get out of its own way. It keeps tripping over its own feet. 13 times earnings, not particularly expensive. I mean, in a financial space, nor is it particularly cheap. Uh, but it's one that, as I said, should be able to do better than it is. Sometimes you just find those businesses that just, just simply, despite the fact the macro should suit them, don't seem to be able to really grasp it. That's Challenger for me. I don't know I'd rush out to sell it at the current price. It's not particularly expensive. 3.9% dividend yield, 13 times earnings. It's, it, yeah, it's pretty run of the mill. If you own it as part of diversified income portfolio or something, I can kind of understand it. Um, but I wouldn't rush to buy it either. Um, so look, for me, I actually agree with Scott's conclusion. I don't think it's a, a fantastic business. It is pretty safe. It's pretty defensive. Um, and admittedly, fair play to management. It's not what I looked at in a while. Um, if there was one thing I would have thought that would um, potentially be a, a huge headwind to a business like Challenger, it's rapidly rising um, bond, uh, bond yields. And they've actually weathered the last couple of years pretty well and look like that's stabilising coming out the other side. So you're not paying a huge valuation, decent little dividend. I'd be happy for people to hold it. Okay, it's a little lukewarm there, I suppose. Yeah. But um, a hold there um, from Luke. And, uh, well, I suppose Scott was a little bit more mixed on it as well. But perhaps over overall, a, a, a company with reasonable prospects. Absolutely. I mean, that whole annuity story really comes to life when uh, interest rate raises, you know, come through. Because they really, really struggled when rates were at zero. So if it was a time for this stock to perform, now is surely it. Indeed. Okay. Well, uh, let's get to our guest for yes. the show now. And uh, patiently standing by has been Martin Craig from Toronto. 
and Partners. Martin, thank you so much for your time. Always good to be here. Yes, yes. Well, it's, uh, it is good to have you. Um, I mean, it's sort of a bit of a rudderless uh, market at the moment because we have had those public holidays overseas. But I mean, what's the setup for this week? Is it sort of debt ceiling relief? Are we going back to worrying about inflation now and rate hikes? What's, what's the story? Yeah, it's difficult to understand how much of a risk premium was factored in for the for the debt ceiling going hitting hitting the et state without a resolution. I read a few research reports that said it is really financial Armageddon if it happens. The mm. the government can't actually pay anybody or or, or uh, pay any bills or anything. The economy just grinds to a halt and it's horrible. So we've avoided that. The credit default swaps on one year US debt were up to about one point seven. On Friday, they've dropped down to 1.4. They're not trading at the moment. Mm. The mini futures are trading, and they're pretty much the same level that they've been all weekend. So it doesn't look like people have put on extra extra longs in the mini futures, which you would expect. And the performance of the the European markets was pretty pretty yuck as well, right? So very technical term, that one. Um, So yeah, your question, what do we focus on now? So assuming this thing goes through Congress, and we don't hit the X state. And even if we do, as, as long as it goes through Congress, we're happy days. We can then focus on what's next. And let's go back to the narrative um, of the Fed and the next Fed meeting, the next RBA meeting. We've got Governor Lowe. We've got the Reichsbank um, governor speaking this week. So we've got more central banks speak. And inflation is just too stubborn, right? Inflation is just too stubborn. Central banks have to go again. And then we're starting to see, as you were talking earlier, about the cliff. We're starting to see the cliff. Mm. Like this month, next month and July, 18% of the fixed rate mortgages roll off in Australia. So all these people have known Armageddon is coming and maybe they've prepared, but I think the banks have run through their buffers. I think the pinch is going to really come in the next three months to the consumer. So we're going to have this stagflation thing again, which is not good for markets. So I think markets are looking into the teeth of that at the moment. Yeah, it's not a pretty picture, is it? Do you put much store in some of the narrative or the commentary about the Treasury having to refill their coffers and raising about a trillion or up to a trillion US dollars in the Treasury bill market? And therefore, you're seeing potentially quite a substantial liquidity withdrawal. Yeah, two two great sucking sounds, one being... (laughs) One being the flight out of bank deposits into money market Mm. mutual funds. That's a trillion dollars so far. The next big sucking sound is the Fed, as you said, having to issue short-term paper to pay to pay bills because the government's still running a massive deficit, and that just drains more liquidity out of the market. So you've got two big uh, vacuum cleaners sucking all the liquidity out of the market, and so the the banking system has to adjust to that by reducing its balance sheet. So the Fed's kind of said, well, you can swap longer-term liabilities for short-term liabilities via the Fed window. You can do that. But that's sort of circulating money in a kind of a little bit of bizarre way. It's just going to keep credit tight, um, which is, is probably not a good setup for markets either, right? Mm. We're looking into the teeth as well now of uh, a potential rate hike from the Fed in a couple of weeks' time. I mean, that's a pretty remarkable shift probably in the space of a week and a half where everyone seemed to be pretty happy to price in a hold with now two CPI prints globally, especially that PCE uh, deflator suggesting mm. all this stickiness. I mean, the market's maybe underappreciating that risk for the time being. Yeah, I mean, Jerome Powell did hint at a pause the last time he spoke publicly. It does seem to be from the minutes, certainly the minutes of the RBA, but increasingly the minutes of the of the Fed that it's become a divided issue. Mm. One of the great features of the Fed and, and, you know, compared to the RBA is that 
Yeah, you know how people vote, and they typically vote unanimously. There was a long time where there was, you know, one person who stood out, but typically they they move as a group, and they are all central bankers themselves. They're all governors of other feds. Whereas our central bank board is as borne out by the inquiry. They're not central bankers. There's a there's a couple of bureaucrats and and then some you know people from you know broad backgrounds, but they're not bankers, uh, and they are very mixed on their views. So I think the the last sort of knowledge we got from Governor Lowe and how people voted the last two meetings was it was a line ball each time. So I, th- I think it's probably unfair to say we're pricing in another hike. We're probably, hi- we're probably pricing in a 50% chance of another hike. We're getting towards the end, Kyle. That's the important thing, but we're not there yet. Yeah, and uh, we had those building approvals figures out today, which yeah. are very, very downbeat, to put it mildly. Yeah. And um, maybe you can comment those, but also to the problems it's setting up down the track with all this immigration and then we've got a shortage <laughs> on building. I mean, it's almost like we're compounding one problem with another problem. Yeah. I heard you talking to your previous guest about this as well. Um, yeah, so housing starts have fallen about 30% from their peak. In really, really bad markets, they fall 40, maybe even 50%. So we're a long way through the big decline. Um, And as you said, we've got to find homes for 1.5 million people. So assuming they all come and not in families, that's 1.5 million dwellings. If they come in a family of three, it's still half a million dwellings we've got to find. We're building around about 100,000 new homes at the moment. So the numbers just don't add up. Mm. And the the rental market, um, as, as we know, is incredibly tight. Rents are up. According to SQM, from 600 bucks for a house a week in Sydney to 1,000 bucks a house in Sydney in the last two years, that's a 50% increase in rent. Mm. And my son and his fiance just got a letter from their landlord, 25% increase in their rental bill. So it's happening right across the industry because the returns just aren't there. If you've got to go and borrow money, Danny, yeah. and pay 6% to build a new apartment or something like that, you know, you've got to charge a lot of rent. You've got mm. to charge at least a five or six percent rental yield because the capital gains side of the picture is very difficult. Housing costs themselves are going through the roof, so you've got to hedge that. And getting finance is harder. So the numbers don't set up. Now, governments are aware of this and they're trying to do something about it. The thing is the system moves so slowly because mm. it's mm. kind of like, you know, Jim Chalmers comes out with, with a, a million new homes and wants to get a future fund done, can't get it through the Senate. So it gets delayed and it gets to state government. We've just got new state governments in a couple of different states. They're planning, uh, you know, being reorganised. Then it gets to council and council takes time as well. So even if, um, you know, Jim Chalmers waves a magic wand on getting funding for this, Mm. it's going to take years for it to flow through the system. So I can't see a, a way around housing is just going to get tougher and tougher. Yeah, abolish mm. local councils. Let's bring that argument back, shall we? <laughs> um, anyway, I digress. Um, let's look at some of the winners and losers, though, especially in the small caps, mm. because um, I guess there's been some sort of fairly interesting trends coming through there. Yeah, I was just thinking, well, it's the penultimate day of the penultimate month of the financial year, so a couple of penultimates. <laughs> but I was just kind of reflecting on May, I mean, well, yeah. and, and what's May told us. And we have had we have had some hits and some misses and it tends to be kind of sector-based. So like, if you watch the market close enough or long enough, it does start to talk to you and it's just giving us a little bit of a narrative. And one is just on retailing. So you mentioned mm. universal stores, but there's a number of small cap retailers been absolutely smashed mm. and it's just this early sign of the cliff. So the people that are probably closest to the end of the cliff are younger people who are just in, you know, a couple of years in the workforce, may have bought their first house or they're feeling the pinch of rents and they're the, they're the sort of sales that have really fallen off quickly. So that tells you it's going to continue to flow through. 
And so there's a, there's a bunch of small retailers that have done really, really poorly. The other side of the equation is builders. So, I mean, James Hardy is the fourth best performing stock this year in the ASX 100. And your top tip, lest My top we pick, forget. yeah, so far so good. Can we, can we close the competition now? <laughs> I feel like I'm, you know, I've got a neck in front with still a, a whole lap to go. Um, but yeah, it's like um, uh, building, the setup for building is really positive going yeah. forward, but the numbers are really terrible at the moment. So that's interesting how the market's sort of talking to us and saying we're looking across the valley in that area. The other thing is copper and gold. So copper and gold has been absolutely smashed this mm, month. Mm. Copper in particular, everywhere you go, people say copper's fantastic. There's not enough of it. It's, the, it's almost the best way to play the um, you know the, the energy transformation because mm. it's not just in EVs it's in poles and wires and all yeah, that stuff everything, yeah. and yet copper stocks have been absolutely belted this month they're off about ten or fifteen percent so it's just interesting different winners and losers within the market yeah it's 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 fascinating because you've got the bond market still indicating that at some point you know we're going to see a pivot and they're going to you know have to cut rates particularly in the US mm. you've got longer dated assets really performing well even if you take out all the AI hype you yeah. know before that really went full tilt with Nvidia yeah. you'd already seen those stocks move off the October lows yeah absolutely and it just seems to me that there's lots of signals that you know the the, the bond market Markets, and even the share market is telling us that something major is going to break or something's going to happen that's going to cause the central banks to actually pivot. And that would be super bullish for gold, would it not? Yeah, you would think so. I mean, gold's been a pretty strong performer just because it's been sort of risk off and, and obviously things like the debt ceiling and stuff play mm. to that narrative. But, but gold's, I mean, gold was over, what, 2050 bucks an ounce. It's now sort of 1950. So it's come off a little bit. You'd expect gold should do well going forward. Um, however, I think the, the question you've got to ask yourself is what is a central bank and need to see uh, physically, not think is going to happen, but need to see to get them to change the, the path of interest rates. You better not answer that because careful what we wish for. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, the market's moving to an, a narrative that um, rates stay on hold. So they don't maybe hike them too much more from here, but we can start ruling out cuts. So you can see a real flattening of the, there's a bear flattening, is that what it's called? Mm. You're a fixed income guy, aren't you? Oh no, no. I, pretend, <laughs> I pretend to be, but go on, I'll try Yeah, a bear it. flattening. So that's where instead of pricing in rate cuts, mm. the curve sort of flattens out, moves but, out. So yeah. that just means that the central banks are gonna stay on hold for longer. That's also gonna cause a lot of damage, right? Because mm. we can probably put up with a, with a year or two of high rates, and you know, we just cut consumption and we all muddle through. We can't stand a long, long period of higher and higher rates. Mm. That's really gonna hurt us a lot. So I think the question is how much damage do they wanna see in the economy in terms of household spending, definitely, but also employment. You know, I for one don't wanna see a fall in employment. I think that's terrible because that, that's when things get really ugly. If they can manage this narrow path soft landing where you know people pull their heads in they stop spending money inflation starts coming down a little bit but we don't need into the job story that's a fantastic outcome for the market because then we'll get lower rates and still a strong employment market and that's that's a really positive setup for the equity market so if that looks like it's happening we're we're going to lean into equities at shore and partners well uh, we'll keep our fingers and toes crossed because uh yeah narrow path but one we are all hope that uh, the central bank has achieved tight yeah. ropes tight ropes yeah. indeed uh, martin Craig shore and partners thank you so much thank for your time. you always good to come okay well uh let's push on and uh well how about we get to the leaders yeah, the absolutely
waiting for that leaders and laggards graph to come up if we may. I'll just see if we uh, do have it there by any chance. Uh, because, well, we do want to get across, obviously. Who's oh, there we go. Shaking. Mm-hmm. Leaders and laggards. There we go. Um, and nickel mines uh, up by 5.2%. We were talking about that one today. Did we find any stories behind no, that? No, I, didn't, I didn't, didn't find anything in particular. We no. know Sandfire Resources, so some gold. We know Qantas had that update. Really interesting how they're talking about those um, super long, long haul flights. flights are going to deliver so much in income. I want to meet the psychos who are going to fly for 17 hours. I straight. couldn't think of anything worse. 14 oh, absolutely tips I me a, over I a into attack, the... a little bit, a bit of turbulence yeah. over Canberra between <laughs> Melbourne and Sydney. What am I going to do over you know the, the Middle East after sedatives, 15 hours on a flight? Sedatives, I think. Yeah, maybe a bit of the old valley. <laughs> um, anyway, that's uh, uh, Qantas is up by two and a half percent. Challenger, we've already spoken about. Yep. We had a really great chat. Um, or conversation was had there uh, on the call today. Polynova, that's just another one that moves around. So, uh, Absolutely. Lot, really. I'm not too sure if there's anything um, behind that by any means. Um, so the, the leaders there are, 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 well, I suppose fairly diverse when you do look across the broad suite of the market. Um, re- real estate was I think a little soft today as well uh, we also had uh, well energy looking fairly soggy telecommunication services though yeah they were stronger uh, today energy turned negative seven percent um, maybe we'll get to the laggards, laggards now yep. and uh, there we go paladin well but in the trading suspension so just bear that in mind yeah and uh, you know what I was uh, disappointed to see well because I own it but uh, IDP education did not bounce back once when I heard yes, it it did one oh, percent. No, no. I think, I, mean, I think you'll find it's actually more than that. Right, this this one's for me, folks. What are we What are we doing? Idea. Yeah, two point three percent. Well, yeah. I suppose from little things, big things grow. But that was pretty savage sell off, I suppose. It was, and I saw that State Street um, actually put in a sell notice, so they're no longer a major shareholder. That came oh. through yesterday. Wow. But volumes were massive yesterday. It was over oh, two hundred forty yeah. million, according to my sources, and about seventy seven today. Yeah. And I think volumes were pretty low. But look, you know, the markets lack. Uh, people are going to want to see, I think, in the case of an IDP, that it's going to take time because they're really going to want to see what impact there is from. Yeah, well, it could put the business Pearson. back a, a fairly long way, right? If it's, yes you know, no. I suppose, you know, lose that sort of market share in, in, that, in that key market. It, it, it's just the last of the monopolies that they held. So yeah. it's, you know, it's part of a business involving and you, m- m- their businesses never continually hold monopolies. It's just how they adjust to it, the changes. Yeah. Okay. And that's where great companies do well. But lifestyle community. I think they had um, an update and uh, a bit of a miss there in terms of their earnings expectations or what the outlook is. And that's down three and a half percent. And of course, the ever, ever traded brain chip holdings are today down 4.4 percent. Everyone's favorite ASX AI play. Get involved, I suppose, if you want to have a punt on that thing. Yep. General advice only. Um, okay, so there's your lag guys there. Let's get across. Oh, we shrunk. Um, let's get across perhaps just uh, the small caps. Uh, <laughs> fittingly enough, as we shrink before your very eyes. <laughs> And uh, Berkeley and Energia, yep. 23%. Wagner. Wagner. They had an upgrade, I think, to a speculative buy. We had that in broker call today, so up 15%. Interesting. And 
let's get vanadium, to oh. one of those special metals, minerals for clean energy and right. strategic purposes. Yes, that there was up 14.7. What about and the laggards? And the laggards for the small caps today. Um, last thing that jumps out there, oh, Silk Laser, of course. Yep. And that was um, well relevant today, it seems like. There's West not going to be such a standoff. Yeah. Back down Yeah. Um, when it comes to that sort of Silk Laser bid. Um, Australia, was it pharmaceutical? What's the API? What are they called again? Yeah, API, I think yeah. it's called. Um, Wes Farmers. Yeah, okay. Well, let's uh, wrap things up, I think, yeah, on I that. I think we should. Note. But, um, well, at least we're going to have a lead to go off tomorrow morning. Uh, Danny, if you want to catch up on all the news and interviews today, including a lot of insight from the Stockbrokers Investment Advisors Association Conference today, website and app, you know what to do. But uh, otherwise, have a great night. See you tomorrow morning. Bye. The COB is brought to you by eToro. Invest in ASX shares with $0 commission. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.